You're listening to The Gary Harris Show on Tide 100.9 in Tuscaloosa. For Todd, recipients of the Medal of Valor. Click TuscaloosaThread.com for more local news, sports, and weather coverage throughout the day. It's free. Don Hartley, Tuscaloosa Media, Tuscaloosa. The Gary Harris Show. You see him host Tider Insider TV, Crimson Tide Kickoff, play-by-play for Alabama sports, and sports director for WVUA 23. It's time for the Gary Harris Show on your home for Alabama sports, Tide 100.9, and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Good morning, everybody. Welcome into the Gary Harris Show. This is the TGIF edition for Friday, February 2, 2024. It is Groundhog Day. Real quick, Justin, before we go any further, because I'm, I, you think, you know, 59 years of age, this would be, of course, it's Puxatunny Phil, Puxatunny, Pennsylvania. Is it, if he sees a shadow, there's six more weeks of winter, or if he doesn't, what is it? Do you know? It's if he sees his shadow, there's more winter. All right. What was it? It's an early spring. What was it in Punxsutawney today? Have you checked? Punxsutawney Phil did not see his shadow, so we're having an early spring apparently this year. Okay, but if he'd been here, he would have seen his shadow. So, but he's not here. All right, I got it. Okay. So anyway, early spring, uh, which is kind of common around this part of the country anyway, but I don't know how Punxsutawney Phil there in Punxsutawney, Pennsylvania can can set the standard for the entire spring for everywhere around the country. But there you go. There you go. All right. So should be an early spring. But to welcome into the program, uh, I'm the Gary Harris. Uh, I'm Gary Harris on the Gary Harris Show on Tide 100.9 FM and 1230 AM WTBC. Justin Jones, you just heard from him. He is producing the program, taking your phone calls this hour on the First of Maine Condos hotline at 205-342-9904. we got a jam-packed show for you today. Jam-packed show. So we're looking... We're looking forward to that. I'll run it down for you here in just a moment. But first, I need to tell you, as always, this hour of the program being brought to you by my good friends at Alabama Credit Union. When I say good friends, that's not just a, uh, you know, form of speech. That is the truth. Steve Swaff for the CEO. All the people in that organization. I'm a member. Uh, I really think you ought to look at becoming a member too because it's fantastic. It's absolutely fantastic. Membership has its privileges. You can find out more at alabamacu.com. Member-owned and not-for-profit, it's a better way of banking. Alabama Credit Union, many locations around the state of Alabama, including the home office right here in Tuscaloosa. Again, alabamacu.com, Alabama Credit Union, loans for real life. Some rules and restrictions do apply. See if you're eligible for membership, then join today and feel good about your money. And put a little extra change in your pocket. I told you a good show today. Starts at 9.30 as far as our guests are concerned with my main man, Adam Amin from Fox Sports, one of the top play-by-play broadcasters in the country. Also the play-by-play voice for the Chicago Bulls on television, Chicago Bears preseason football. He's going to join us to talk some NFL and NBA at 9.30. Then at 10 o'clock, Ashley Priest-Johnston, Alabama Gymnastics Head coach for her weekly visit as the Crimson Tide is at home again tonight. And uh, they're off to a great start this season. We'll visit with the coach at 10. And then at 10.30, it's the Auburn Report with Brett Pritchard. In between your phone calls on the first domain condos hotline in hour number one, the Krispy Kreme Donuts hotline in hour number two. I see Corey and Trussell's already ready to go. Corey, we're going to get to you in just a moment. But right now, I'm going to go ahead and start them off with some TGIF headlines, Justin, on this Friday morning. <clears throat> well, two weeks ago, then Alabama sophomore golfer Nick Dunlap played the first round of the American Express, a tournament that would change his life. Dunlap went on to win the event as an amateur and then turned professional. Yesterday, he made his pro debut at the AT&T Pebble Beach Pro-Am and shot a four over 76. You know, it's it's different when it's your job. Golf's now a job for him, and it's going to be an adjustment. I'm expecting him to bounce back with a better round 
on Friday. But as I said, for right now, he goes into round two, tied for last place after winning his last event as an amateur. There's been a lot of talk about Alabama football players going into the portal, of course, before Coach Saban retired, after he retired, and it's kind of gotten blown out of proportion. And that's what uh, Kalen DeBoer talked about this week when he was down at the Senior Bowl. He said that he's really comfortable with the roster and where it's at. They're going to add some more to it, but uh, he thinks there's a lot of good football players at Alabama, and he feels good about the roster. The NCAA handed down a five-year suspension as part of a 15-year show calls order against former Alabama baseball coach Brad Bohannon on Thursday. The penalty effectively bans him from college coaching after he provided information to a gambler who <coughs> used it to make illegal wagers against the Crimson Tide. The NCAA in Alabama came to a negotiated resolution in the case that involved multiple level one and two violations, although Bohannon didn't participate in the investigation. The school was hit with three years of probation and a $5,000 fine. The gambler has pleaded guilty to obstruction of justice. Bohannon was cited for violating NCAA principles of honesty and sportsmanship when he provided information about an injury to a starting pitcher to Burt Eugene Neff on April 28, 2023, before Alabama played LSU. Neff made that, uh, used that information to make a bet against Alabama, which lost the game. He tried to make it for a lot bigger than it was taken for, uh, by the, uh, gambling agency, but uh, that led to all kinds of problems, obviously. Speaking of SEC baseball, all 16 Southeastern Conference teams will compete in a single elimination baseball postseason tournament after the league expands next year with the addition of Texas and Oklahoma. SEC officials announced the new baseball tournament format today after our yesterday I should say after athletic directors approved the switch under the existing format only 12 of the SEC's 14 current members participate in a hybrid single double elimination tournament over a six day period. Now a lot of people are going to be against this. I'm for it. First of all, even now seriously, you're going to let 12 teams in and let two sit at home some of them are going to play single elimination. Some are going to play double elimination. I like the single elimination. We have it in softball, but all 16 teams in and play it. You know, 16 against one, 15 against two, 14 against three, 13 against four, and so on, man. And I don't know. Real quickly, Justin, do you, do you with Texas and Oklahoma coming in, I'm a big fan of letting all 16 teams in and just playing a single elimination. I like it, too. I think it's going to provide that kind of uh, March Madness that basketball has. I think it's going to be fun and draw more attention. Yeah, too. and, you know, again, let everybody in. But you can't play double elimination with that many teams. Really, to me, um, if you're going to play a double elimination tournament, it doesn't need to be more than eight ter- teams the way it used to be anyway. But for this year, uh, the same format as always with the 12 teams out of 14 making it. Uh, that will continue with uh, the tournament, which takes place May 21st to 26th over in Hoover. Alabama women's basketball last night. Wow. Crimson Tide women got a little bit of payback, didn't they? As they took on um, Arkansas. It was Arkansas that came back from a a big deficit to win over in uh, Tuscaloosa just a couple of weeks ago. But they played last night and Alabama used a huge second quarter against um, the Razorbacks. And this time they didn't let up. They were up 20 at the break, or 18 at the break, 43-25. Uh, they went on to win it 86-70. to So a good win for Alabama on the road in SEC women's basketball. Of course, the Alabama men play tomorrow night at home against Mississippi State, and that's a rematch. The Tides already won once over the Bulldogs, and they'll look to win twice as they take on the Bulldogs tomorrow night at Coleman Coliseum. So that's a... 
look at some headlines, and we're off and running on the show. We're going to go ahead and get our first break in, so we have plenty of time when we come back on the other side. And, Corey, you hold tight, my friend. We're going to get to you over in Trustful. Anybody else that wants to call in, give us a ring on the First and Main Condos hotline at 205-342-9904. That's 205-342-9904. Adam Amin coming up at 930. It's the TGIF edition, which means we got all that great weekend music. We break away from the uh, regular bumper music. We're going to some high energy weekend music. Friday's the best day of the week, in my opinion. We're headed into the weekend. Let's have some fun right here on the Gary Harris Show on Tide 100.9 FM and 1230 AM WTBC, your home for Alabama sports. We'll be right back after this. This season of Alabama football on Tide 100.9 brought to you by Birmingham Racecourse Casino. Just a few minutes away where you can be a winner, too. From the University of Alabama, this is Crimson Tide Today. It's Daily Upset on Bama Sports and it's brought to you by Guthrie's. America's original chicken finger restaurant is now an official partner of the Alabama Crimson Tide. For franchise information, visit Guthrie'sChicken.com. Hello again, everybody. I'm Roger Hoover. On Thursday's edition of Crimson Drive, driven by NASCAR, we were joined by women's basketball senior Sarah Ashley Barker. I love the the challenges that come with it, and the, but also the opportunity that comes with it, too. I think every single day, um, it challenges me to be a better person. It challenges me to be a better teammate. It challenges me to understand that I can't be in my feelings when it comes into me making mistakes and that I've got to worry about the next play. And honestly, it makes me worry worry less about myself and worry more about the team because in this role, it's, it's kind of like I want to help so many people get better. I want to show them the things that they can they can correct or the things that that they they need to fix. And so, and but also, me knowing that is like I want to receive it too. I want them to tell me the things that I need to correct. I want them to get on to me if I mess up a defensive assignment. And so, I think just being a leader for the team, but also having other other leaders like Aaliyah and Loyal just goes along with it too because it's not just me. I'll have more in a moment. Founded in Haleyville in 1965, Guthrie's Golden Fried Chicken Fingers has been family-owned and operated in Alabama for over 58 years. Like their famous signature dipping sauce, Guthrie's has been imitated but never duplicated. Using the family's original southern fried chicken recipe, Guthrie's is still serving the best chicken fingers in the world. Just like you like them. Fresh, hot, and fast. Guthrie's, America's original chicken finger restaurant and now an official partner of the Alabama Crimson Tide. For franchise information, visit Guthrie'sChicken.com. Join us tomorrow for men's basketball against Mississippi State. Our radio coverage will start at 6.30 across the network with tip-off scheduled at 7.30 p.m. at Coleman Coliseum. Crimson Tide Today is brought to you by Guthrie's. Crimson Tide Today is a production of the Crimson Tide Sports Network from Learfield. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. Lots of sunshine today with a very pleasant afternoon. The high 68. Tonight fair with the low at 42. Tomorrow morning sunshine, clouds increasing by afternoon. The high 67. Much colder Sunday, cloudy with periods of rain. The high at 50. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 46 degrees in Tuscaloosa. You see him on WVUA 23 covering sports and on Tider Insider TV on Tuesday nights. Don't miss a minute of the Gary Harris Show. Weekdays from 9 to 11 on Tide 
back in, working for the weekend, aren't we all? 9-13 here on the Gary Harris Show. And uh, we're going to jump out on the uh, First of Main Commerce hotline here in just a moment talk to Corey over in Trustful. I also want to mention to you that Alabama has a uh, junior day coming up this weekend, and uh, it's the first big junior day for Kalen DeBoer. I'm going to be running down some of the uh, – names that are going to be in here it's an impressive list uh for 2025 and beyond i'll get to that in just a moment because we didn't uh have a recruiting report this week but we will run down the uh junior day information coming up here in just a moment right now let's jump out on the first of main condos hotline and that's where we find Corey. Corey, good morning did you get to hear karen johns i did and i loved her interview um she gave a good explanation for reasons why alabama can be good and one of the main points you made was the battery. And even though I don't know much about Riley Valentine, I hope that she can be a good, I mean, I know she's not going to replace Allie Shipman and her experience and her leadership, but hopefully it can fill in the gap for what she was. Cause, um, I would imagine she'd be the one that would do it. And what Jayla Torrance did in the off season cannot be, cannot be, um, um, forgotten and I would think this is my my thinking I would think Kayla Beaver would be the ace because she's a more experienced pitcher mm-hmm. <clears throat> so it could be a 1A 1B with uh, Beaver and Torrance but that's going to be the key you can have all the offense you want but you have to have good pitching in order to make it to the SEC and that's what won Alabama a lot of games was the pitching, and uh, hopefully that's what happens because I've heard what, what, what uh, Karen said was the offense is looking really good. Now we have to see it to believe it in games, but hopefully the pitching is what makes the difference. Yeah, I'm listening to what you're saying, Corey, and I agree, um, but not 100%. Um yeah, you want, listen, you want both, right? I mean, and, and, you know, to be, to be a dominant team, you want to have, you want to have great pitching and timely great hitting and power. You know, that's kind of where it's at, but I think it's a little bit different. And you and I talked about this last year and you called in a couple of times frustrated with the lack of offense. Um, no matter how good your pitching is, some of these teams, uh, the way they're built and constructed offensively, they're going to touch you for runs. So I, I think that, um, yeah, you want to have frontline top-notch pitching, but you also have to understand that no matter how good your pitching is, some of these offenses are going to generate run production against you. So when you have, you know, a great pitcher in the circle like Alabama have with Montana Fouts, I still don't think you can go out there every game and say, well, we're going to win two to one or one to nothing. I don't think you can look at it like that anymore. Even with a terrific frontline pitcher, I think you have to say to yourself, uh, we got to score runs against this team. You know, they're going to score runs. You know, we're going to have to, you know, I know last year, you know, with Tennessee's offense and, and some of those offenses, you've got to generate offensive production, even if you have a great pitcher. And, and now, as we know too, Corey, you got to have a staff as well. You can't just rely on one pitcher or even two anymore. You know, you need to have three or four pitchers that, 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 um, can throw because you're going to have to use that many during the course of the season. So the game's evolved a lot from where it was 20 years ago when one great pitcher literally could carry you um, through a season. 
I mean, that's just the way that it was. You know, um, offenses weren't nearly as as strong. The game was evolving. Uh, and from where it was then to where it's at now, uh, when you're talking about college softball now east of the Mississippi, having been around and been uh, established now for going on 30 years, the quality of play all over the country is, you know, the travel ball and everything is just so much better than it once was. And uh, even maybe... 10 years ago, you know, 15 years ago, if you had a dominant pitcher, a lot of these offenses just couldn't catch up to it, Corey. You know what I'm talking about. I mean, you could just, you could throw some of these pitchers that Alabama had out there and, and, you know, there were a lot of offenses that couldn't touch them. It's not that way anymore. It's just not. So you want to have great pitching. I'm not arguing with you there, but to think that just good pitching is going to take you where you want to go. I don't I don't agree with that. Offensively you've got to be able to score runs and you've got to understand that how you look at pitching. Um you know, I, I think Montana Fouts last year was probably just as dominant as she was her first year, but even in that four year span, uh people caught up to her. Um, you know, and she wasn't throwing as many shutouts or throwing as many one or two hitters. You know, Teams were scoring runs off of her. So um, it's a different game now. And the way you've a – good, a good pitcher now against the top offense, if they hold them to three runs, I think they've done – I think they've done a pretty good job. Well, I agree with you. I think the offense – we need to score more runs because that was the problem. It's been the problem the last two or three years. And I think with adding Caleb Rowe and the new hitting coach is going – I would hope make a big difference now – I'm not saying you have to do Oklahoma or something like that, but you just need to score runs to take pressure off your pitching staff because I feel like a lot of times under Montana, as good as she was, I feel like she was under a lot of pressure to keep the scoring down because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. how many times have you seen or heard on the broadcast, whenever you get that insurance run or just up a few runs, you just feel more loose as a pitcher and you don't feel like you have to throw it in the right spot every time and and then that's where that's where mistakes can be made. And if we're up by four or five runs on a good team, or something like that, you don't you don't have to stress as much as a fan that that uh, that uh, even if they score, we know we can hit them back. Yeah, I agree 100. percent I mean, I'm I'm with you 100 percent on that, Corey. I mean, you you yeah. I mean, as I just said, you know, you, the the way you view pitching now has to be viewed differently than it was uh, just a few years ago, even. And um, you know, you got to have some offense. But I'm with you after listening to Karen, and we'll get Murph on here soon too. I like uh, the potential of this Alabama softball team. I really do, buddy. How did you How did you like the Bama basketball game in the second half? Uh, I mean, good luck. First half was horrible. I mean, uh, one zero of eight from three. Uh, the the just terrible offensively. Then second half they turned it on. And what was key was we the whole game we only had nine turnovers, and free throw shooting was good once again. And, uh, and this this is what's bizarre to me. How in the world has Mark Sears been left off the wooden wooden award watch list? Is beyond me. Yeah, it is to everybody. He's having a phenomenal year, averaging 20 a game. I don't know. I, that's why I don't, you know, I don't get caught up in these awards that much anymore either. I mean, Mark Sears but, not to be on it, and, and that's foolish. But to answer your question about the second half, 58 points against Georgia is incredible. Yeah, enjoyed it a lot. Um, 
do you think Alabama has a strong possibility with the games remaining to win the SEC regular season? Boy, I think it's looking better by the game. I mean, I I, I went into the season thinking they were a good team, uh, but I didn't think they were an SEC championship caliber team but the more i watch them yeah i think they can win it i mean it's not gonna be easy but uh they're a serious candidate right now which speaks again to how good nate oates is at, at being able to replenish a roster after all he la- lost from last year it's phenomenal really it's really really phenomenal hey Corey, great phone call man i gotta get to some other callers here in this segment but uh good to hear from you good talk to you Gary. thank you Corey. all right let's see next up it looks like we got franny and then lewis hey good morning franny how you doing, Gary? Doing well, thank you. Um, congratulations to the basketball teams and uh, everybody doing so well, even gymnastics too. But I had a baseball question for you. Okay. I heard the uh, three-year probation and five thousand dollar fine, but do you know what the probation entails? It doesn't entail any scholarship losses. That's the big thing. Um, okay. I think it more or less, you know, is, is to let Alabama understand that if there are any violations while you're on probation, you know, it could get, it could get serious. But as far as, um, outside of just the fine and the stigma for being on probation, I don't think it impacts the, the team that much. It doesn't impact them as far as recruiting or visits or, uh, now I do think, I say that they have to, I think they have to explain, um, and I'd have to read the whole thing, but I think they have to explain to any player that they recruit and have on campus exactly what happened in regards to the gambling situation. So yeah, there are some administrative things that go along with that and some, some educational things that go along with that and things you have to explain to your, uh, um, people that you're recruiting in regards to what happened. So, so yeah, there are some things, but as far as your, the number of players that you can recruit, the scholarship, you know, the, the 11.7, all that, it's all, it's all like everybody else. And there's no postseason ban. No postseason ban. Like no, no postseason okay. ban. So okay. yeah, there's some things they got to work around, but it doesn't impact the team as far as what they can accomplish. Okay. And I had one other question for you. When they go to 16 teams, I heard they're going to go to, <laughs> single elimination do you like that i do like it just talked about it earlier this morning in fact i do i i think now uh it's worked out well with softball and a lot of people are dead against it but this deal they got now where you have 14 teams and 12 of them make it you know and then you start out single elimination then you you merge into double elimination i'm not a fan of that if you're gonna have that many teams in i'm gonna let everybody in so this will be you know this will be 16 teams you'll play 16 against one 15 against two 14 against three 13 against four you know right on through and and you'll go go from 16 to eight to four to two and you'll crown a champion yeah i i like it better i think that uh, uh if you're gonna you know, like now, I if you're one of the two teams that don't make it, I mean, that's almost like I understand you didn't, but either have eight or all 14 to me. And, you know, now we yeah. have 12. So, yeah, I like it. I like the single elimination, especially heading into NCAA regionals. Uh, you play a lot of games over there, and I don't care what people say. Sometimes you can tax your pitching a little bit. So I think hey. this will work out better. It's going to be like a mini World Series almost. A little bit, yeah. Yeah. With all the – good teams that we've got in the league mm-hmm. all right have a good day thank you franny good to hear from you all right let's keep it going and let's get to uh lewis good morning lewis good morning gary hey uh cory covered part of what i wanted to talk to you about but could you believe that comeback against george i've, I've never seen anything they not only they didn't squeak that game out they dominated them at the end of that game sure did wound up winning it going away a little bit yep <clears throat> yeah they did uh gary and I don't know if you've covered this yet. Uh, I just was 
just now able to tune in on my app. But would you talk a little bit about Mississippi State and what we got to do and how you see that game coming up? And you know what? We just beat some Bulldogs. Let's beat some more Bulldogs. Roll Tide, Jerry. Let me go. Yeah, thank you, Lewis. Uh, Mississippi State's a tough team. And uh, they had a game this week at Ole Miss that they could have won. And, uh, and they didn't. And Alabama beat them over in Starkville. And that was a great win for Alabama. Cause at that point in the year, early in the conference schedule, a road game in Starkville, I think a lot of people thought Mississippi State would win that game. I, I was, I thought they had a good chance to win it. And for Alabama to go over there and, and win a close game was huge. And Mississippi State helped them out by missing free throws. Just like they helped out other Ole Miss the other night. That's one thing that really hurts Mississippi State in close games is they've, uh, had a propensity to miss their free throws, but um, they're a good team and they're capable of coming in here and winning if Alabama doesn't play well offensively. And I know we have, I've talked so much about the defense. I get that. Um, and I think Alabama's getting better on defense. But in this game, I think Alabama, um, I don't, Mississippi State's going to have a hard time keeping up with Alabama if Alabama's making shots. They just are. They're not, they're not built that way offensively. Um, so I think if Alabama is hitting its shots, they're going to win the game at home uh if they have an off night um you know mississippi state's capable of winning particularly you know mississippi state's powerful inside and you know if they get alabama in foul trouble we don't know what the status is of nick pringle uh, i know coach uh, oates is going to meet with the media later this morning so maybe we'll have um you know, feeling or not a feeling, maybe Coach Oates will tell us whether or not he's going to play tomorrow night. You know, he sat out, didn't make the trip to Athens. And, um, you know, I think that's something with his future because uh, we heard Coach Oates say after the game in Athens, he's got to make a decision talking about Pringle, whether or not he wants to be a part of the program going forward. So we'll, we'll see what happens there. I know that um, Mississippi State, like I said, is capable. And it's going to be a tough game tomorrow night over Coleman Coliseum. But I like Alabama to win it. I do, at home. I mean, you look at Alabama's track record with Nate Oates as the head coach in SEC home games, and it's been phenomenal. And I think they'll get another one tomorrow night against the Bulldogs. All right, it is 927 here on the Gary Harris Show. And uh, one of our most popular guests coming up next, he is back with us this morning, Adam Amin from Fox Sports. We're going to talk uh, NFL, NBA, and more with uh, one of the top play-by-play broadcasters in the country. Also, before we hit the break, I do want to remind you the YMCA of Tuscaloosa. Yes, the no-joining-free January is over. We're into February, but uh, still, any time is a great time to sign up at the YMCA. Start working toward getting fit for summer now. The YMCA of Tuscaloosa, 2300 13th Street, downtown. We're back with Adam Amin and more great weekend music. Chicago will be coming up next here on The Gary Harris Show. Life doesn't wait for when your finances are in perfect order. It just happens. But no matter what surprises come your way, Alabama Credit Union will be here to help make it affordable with great personal loans, mortgages, and auto loans. They offer an easy application process and fast decisions so you can stay focused on feeling good about whatever life brings your way. Alabama Credit Union will be here to help make it affordable with great personal loans, mortgages, we're available 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Visit PattersonComerLawFirm.com. No representations made that legal services provided by Patterson Comer is greater than any other legal services performed by any other lawyer. As much as industry has evolved, it will always be that place to escape and have a good time. Whether it's for a game day weekend, to reminisce on college days, or to create new memories, if you're looking for a good time, there's only one thing to do. Head to the free at 1925 University Boulevard. And don't forget about the Lucky Lunch Meet and 3 special. Monday through Friday from 11 a.m. until 2 p.m., get a meet and 3 vegetables for just 840 
$1.49. Or for a lighter appetite, try the Lucky Lunch Soup Salad or Sandwich Combo. I'll see you at the free. Los Tarascos has been serving Mexican favorites like burritos, fajitas, and quesadillas since 1999. Their new location is at 4100 Owen Parkway in Northport. And, of course, you can find Los Tarascos in Tuscaloosa at 110 Skyland Boulevard. The bar areas feature big screen television so you can enjoy your favorite sporting events. Los Tarascos features daily happy hour specials. And for the best Mexican cuisine in West Alabama, remember, the name is Los Tarascos with locations in Tuscaloosa and Northport. Did you miss any episode on Tide 100.9? Don't worry. All of our shows can be found on Spotify and Apple Music and on demand on the Tide 100.9 app. Actually, just turn over to 9.30. Perfect timing for Adam Amin from Fox Sports. Back with us this week and uh, just in time to preview the Super Bowl and talk some uh, NBA and other topics if we can get to them. Uh, good morning, Adam. How are you? Doing well, my friend. How are you? Thanks for joining us. Uh, I tell you what, it was a you know rocky road at time for both teams, but the two teams that a lot of people pegged to be in the Super Bowl before the season started are the two teams that have wound up there, and that is uh, San Francisco and, and, and Kansas City. Really exciting playoffs on both the AFC side and the NFC side. But in the end, uh, two I guess of the of the what we call NFL blue bloods for this day and time uh, advance and survive and, and make it to Las Vegas. So, uh, what do you think of this matchup? I mean, it should be great. Uh, we know that Kansas City is at least playing some of its better football th- at this time of year, and that's obviously what you want to be doing. It was not the easiest road, as you said, Gary. To get to this point for the Chiefs and then for the 49ers they've been one of the best teams in the league we, I think you and I talked about that a, a month ago right around the playoffs starting where you know the confidence level of that group is, has always been very high and they're, they're, they've been as consistent I, I've said most of the year at least the second half of the year that they're the least flawed team in football maybe this side of the Ravens and and some of the Ravens flaws showed up you know they're they're lack of offensive consistency, a bad second half, really, offensively against the Chiefs. But, you know, the, the San Francisco has been the least flawed team for the second half of the year. So I, I think they're playing very well. The, the Niners are right now. I, I thought that second half against Detroit kind of went back to what I saw late in the regular season when they had to deal with some adversity, the loss to, to Baltimore on Christmas, uh, kind of having to bang through some injury issues. Having to come back at some point, like I, I think the adversity that they faced late in the year, the football adversity that they faced, was probably good for them come playoff time. And they're playing their best football and 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 very consistent football right now. Kansas City has not been as consistent, and that scares me a little bit if I'm a Kansas City fan. But they're playing very well, and they still have arguably the best pure football player in the league in Patrick Mahomes right now. Arguably the best player in the league right now, and he played at a very high level for a couple of playoff games to get him to this point. So I'm excited for it. It's still a great matchup. I know America's matchup was probably closer to Detroit and uh, and Baltimore or maybe Detroit and, and Kansas City, but uh, I feel like we're in for a good one. Yeah, let's look back at those championship games because, uh, you know, a lot of people starting the AFC felt like this was Baltimore's year and they had it at home against the Chiefs. You know, Lamar Jackson playing at a high level and, and defensively, I mean, 
you know, you look at the final score, you would say they did enough. But, um, you know, Lamar is is the face of that franchise. And, you know, he did not make as many plays probably as he needed. Well, obviously, as, as many as he needed to make. He had the one terrible interception. Of course, obviously, uh, Flowers, the fumble when he was about to cross. But if you're Baltimore, you have to be incredibly frustrated because it, it seemed like it was your time and you didn't get it done. Does that fall more on on the quarterback, the head coach, Harbaugh, the defense? What, what do you attribute that, that loss to? Yeah, I mean, it's just a handful of plays in a, in a micro sense in, in one half. The Flowers play, obviously, was, was one of the plays that, that blew up the whole thing. And, and it was Lamar's just least intelligent half. Like, mm-hmm. he's played such great football all season long, and he just made some bad decisions. You know, like really bad throws. Some of the, the, the pick that you're talking about was dreadful. I, I couldn't even believe he threw it. Mm-hmm. So, there were a few plays like that that stuck out, and oftentimes that's what determines games. I think that's what killed Detroit too. You know, I think there's this idea that the philosophy of the Lions or the philosophy of how Baltimore has built its team and and its offense in particular around Lamar, like it's, I, I hear all this stuff about oh well their philosophies is what got them you know beat. It's really not. The philosophies are what got them there in the first place. You have to still execute plays and. I think we have a tendency to to try to explain away an entire season's worth of I feel bad calling it a failure because I don't think it's failure to lose in a conference championship right. game. I, I get if you want to use that term, I, I understand it because uh, the goal is to get to the Super Bowl and to win it. So I guess in that sense, it's a failure. I, I get this sense that people want to write off uh, a team's failure by – looking at the biggest picture possible. And that makes sense. I understand why human beings do that. But when it comes down to it, the philosophies of, of their coaching staffs about their offenses, about how they play the game is what got those teams to that point. But you have to execute plays. And when you fumble the ball at the one yard line, when, you know, Bill Belichick has said for years, don't reach the ball out on the goal line. Just mm-hmm. don't, don't put the ball in harm's way. That's an execution play. It's a mental mistake on one play that shifts the game completely. That game shifted on that play. It's as simple as that. That game shifted on that play. The, the, the Lions didn't lose because Dan Campbell's too aggressive on fourth down. That's not how this works. The Lions lost because they had two drops, and they had like one play where they, sh- they should have converted, and they didn't. You know, And, yeah, it's a gamble, and, and Campbell said as much. It's that we gambled and we lost, but... It's not philosophical reasons that these teams lost games. It's, it's tangible, physical reasons on specific game-changing, momentum-shifting plays. And when you do that, like red zone turnovers kill teams. Turnovers kill teams in general. It's the most telling stat in football because on average teams are going to score about, you know, a little more than half the time. They're going to score touchdowns about half the time. And if you lose possessions in what is on average a 12-possession game for a team, you're usually going to get about 12 possessions in a contest. Then if you lose possessions, you're not going to have as many opportunities to score the NFL average. So that's what ends up happening. It's, it's, I, I don't think it was anything philosophical on those teams' part. I think it, it had a lot to do with just individual execution. And on the NFC side, since you um, you know mentioned Dan Campbell, 24-7 at the half, uh, everything is going the Lions' way. 
Uh, yeah, I, I hear you, and I, I agree. But I, I do look back at what Nick Bosa said because I agree with him too. Uh, after the 49ers got a field goal, it's 24 to 10. The Lions are in position to kick a field goal, and I understand you still have to execute the field goal. Right, right, right. Uh, but it would have, you know, it was it was going to be a 42 yarder or something like that, which you expect to make in the NFL. If you kick it there, you go back up three scores. In my opinion, Adam, that. I don't know. You just kind of feel like you're on course to win that game. They don't make it. Uh, of course, you get the IU catch off the face mask and what have you, and then the Gibbs fumble, and, you know, it, it's a whole different game. I thought in that particular instance, and I understand, like you said, that's who he is. That's what, who he's been all year. That's why the players love him. But if you kick the field goal there, I, I think the outcome might be different. I, I, I do agree with that. I, I, I have a tendency to agree with that as well because I look, you know, my my philosophy is, is always take a three score lead. Always, 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 always take a three score lead. If you go, if you can, anytime you can go up 17 points, you do it because it takes three full trips mm-hmm. for another team to, at the very least, be back in the game to tie it or to perhaps take lead, whatever it is. It, to me, the philosophy has always been in the modern era of the NFL when you have X amount of possessions and this type of offense. On, on, you know, across the league where the league average in scoring is up around 22, 23 points a game. So even if you only kick field goals on every possession, or, or again, let's, let's run through some of the math here. So say it's a, a 12 possession game for a team. And as we said, NFL average, your minimum going to score a field goal about half the time. So, what is that? 18 points. If you add in the factors of the times you're probably going to score a touchdown, you're probably looking at closer to 25 to 28 points. That's what, that's above league average. NFL average is somewhere between 21 and 22 points. So to me, if you get past league average, you have a very high probability of winning games. And if you can take opportunities to be up three possessions where you force teams to have to execute at a better than 50% rate to score at least a field goal, you're probably going to be in very good position to win games. So for me, yes, I do agree that in that sense, maybe philosophy hurt you. But if you're going to tell me that momentum is super important in the NFL, which George Kittle says it is, and I wholeheartedly believe in sports, momentum is a real thing. It's not a quantifiable thing, but it is a tangible thing because you see how plays affect the attitude and effort of players when they feel like they have a chance to be in a game. I think that's a tangible thing. If momentum is a real thing, so is looking at a kicker like Michael Badgley, who isn't particularly great, was a, a mid, mid-season signee for Detroit. And Dan Campbell is saying, well, I don't trust my kicker, which is a perfectly reasonable thing that announcers, analysts, pundits have been saying for years to justify not kicking field goals. And now all of a sudden in a playoff game, it's not justifiable. I get why he's not kicking. I wish he would have some confidence or at least the kicker would say, hey, I need to go make this kick because if you do, you go up three scores in a, on average 12 possession game. I wish they would have kicked the field goal and tried to go up, you know, three scores at that point. But if momentum is real, so are the stats for a kicker who's not your number one kicker. He wasn't the kicker at the start of the season and he wasn't particularly good from distance from 40 plus. So it's not an automatic thing. If your touchdown opportunity there is in the is, is three quarters or or whatever it is, so seventy five percent, and the kicker's average, you know, at that 
portion of the field this year and a minimal sample size was about 45%, what are you going to go with, right? So it's not as as diabolical or as silly or as far-fetched to not kick the field goal there. So that's why I have a, a hard time buying into some of the logical fallacies that people have a tendency to, to dive into. But you and I, in this particular case, are in agreement Basically, it comes down to me to say, hey, you're an NFL kicker. Make the damn field goal. Yeah, right. That's You're paid to do one job in, at that league that level. Yeah, the you got to make it. All right, let's talk about some of these coaching uh, hires because, boy, they have been interesting. It's been an interesting cycle, and some of the guys who aren't coaching is just as interesting as, as some of the ones that are. But let's start with Harbaugh. Uh, you can kind of see this one coming uh, with the way college football is headed. He, he goes out on top, leading Michigan to a national championship, and he takes that Chargers job, which appears to be a really good fit. Herbert, the quarterback, that's a talented mm-hmm. roster. He's got a lot of experience in the state of California coaching college and uh, NFL football. I, you know, again, you never know until these things play out. But on the surface, to me, this looks like a really good hire for the Los Angeles Chargers and Jim Harbaugh. What do you think? I think so, too. I, I think it was the, the timing is right for everybody, right? And, and, and listen, I've, I've contended that Jim was a really good college coach partially because of how he operated in the NFL at the time, you know, a decade plus ago, you know, the the common theme was, well, he wears on you after a certain amount of time because he's got a certain personality. He's got this, this kind of interesting, aloof, um, you know, style of how he deals with kids. Oh, he deals with 18 to 24 year olds. And, when you're dealing with professionals, it may not, you know, it may not have the same amount of longevity as it did when he was at Michigan for what? How, how long was he at Michigan? Almost a decade, right? If yeah. I'm not mistaken. I want to say nine years, years, eight or nine years. Yeah, yeah, eight or nine years. So, you know, like, you know, guys love college. His players seemingly, but on average, love the guy and have said great things about playing for Harbaugh. I'm from buddies with Jake Butt, the former tight end. I remember he got hurt in the Orange Bowl and, and went on to play for the Broncos for a few years and, and play in the NFL. And I was a great, does a great job, uh, as an analyst for Big Ten Network here, uh, out of the Midwest and in, in Chicago. You know, he's always spoken incredibly highly of playing for Jim Harbaugh and has the funny stories. Oh, he did this or he orders milk at dinner, but you know, he's got this weird saying or, you know, whatever it may be. He's got his quirks like anybody else does. And they're a little strange, but you know, relative to other people. But the more I, the more I'm around football coaches, both college and NFL, in the last 15 years of my life, I, they're all weird. They're all weird in some form <laughs> or fashion. Like, you just have to have a certain personality to be in this job anyway. I think, you know, the, the, the mark on Harbaugh was always that his personality will wear on you after a while. And maybe that's going to be the case in the NFL. But I also think seeing how the world has changed at the college level with NIL and kind of seeing it. You're essentially dealing in some ways with professionals now when they're 18 to 24 right. years old, right, here. So I think maybe – I feel like that's almost been a nice education for Jim Harbaugh in a sense. And his philosophy of coaching and the way he's coached players hasn't ever really changed. He's always kind of been the same guy, and it's always been fairly productive. It's always been fairly successful. I think in shorter stints in the NFL because, like I said, I think the – some of the personality quirks can wear on professionals. They're not going to buy into the same rah-rah style that, that the college kids will because, 
you know, they've already, they've been through all that. They're not there for that. They're there to get paid and to play and to do their jobs. It is officially their jobs now. But with the way that college coaching has changed with Michigan and, and, and the timing being right, probably with some of the investigations and with some of the pressures that come with being a college coach at that level now and obviously winning it all, that's a pretty good way to walk out. It's a pretty good way to go back to the NFL. And I think the Chargers needed a boost. I think they needed a, I, I feel bad saying this about Brandon Daly. I just, I think Brandon was a little in over his head in, in some ways. Uh, for, for some of the moments, whether it was the, the blown playoff game, whether it was, you know, that handful of blown games, two handfuls of blown games in the NFL the last few years. You know, the Chargers had, had as many of those as just about any team in the league. Uh, I think, you know, he was just a little, little over his skis. And I think for Harbaugh to be, to have the type of success he's had at both levels, obviously he's coached in a Super Bowl, uh, with San Francisco. He's, he's won a national championship now. He, he's an NFL guy at heart, uh, I think all of this is kind of timed out very well for him. I think the Chargers needed it. I think Harbaugh needed it. I think it's a good marriage, and we'll see how it plays out now. In Atlanta, it really appeared that Arthur Blank had zeroed in on Bill Belichick. And, uh, of course, Belichick, when he you know comes in, he wants to run the show. And some of the Falcons' front office brass didn't see it that way. In the end, they go with Raheem Morris, uh, former head coach with the Bucks, former interim coach with the Falcons, Defensive coordinator uh, with the Rams, and of course, has coached on the offensive side of the ball a lot. Uh, did the Falcons get it right here? I mean, I, I just, right or not, I, I'm not sure how uh, how to judge that. But I, I'm, I'm going to say this by preceding it with, like, listen, I'm biased. I think Raheem Morris is is one of the sharpest guys around. I'm a big fan of his. I like him a lot as a guy, you know, and, and, you know, we don't really root for teams in this job. We root for people. Raheem Morris is somebody I root for, admittedly. Like, I just think he's a really good communicator. I think he's a really positive person. I think he's done a lot of things in these jobs. Like you said, he's coached both sides of the ball. He's been a special teams coach. He's been through multiple organizations that have had different levels of success and failure. I think he's seen a lot and we did a, I did a lot of Rams games this year. I did three or four Rams games. So I saw Raheem a lot this year when he was the DC and last year too. Uh, and I've always walked away from my conversations with him feeling like he's a great communicator. You know, he would rib me about some of the stats that I would come in with and ask about. I wouldn't assume things based on those stats, but I would ask about them. And naturally when he would hear the numbers he'd go, and you numbers geeks are trying to get us fired. And I was like, oh, come on now, Reen. That's not what we're trying to do here. I'm trying to understand things. And he goes, I know. I'm just giving you a hard time. And I just always appreciated how he communicated. You know, I, I feel like guys really gravitated towards him. And then based on the job he did this past year in Atlanta, I, I all right, no, Los Angeles, beg your pardon. I, I was really impressed. That was a very young Los Angeles Ram defense. They had rookies at every level. They had young players at every level, guys that are only in their second or third year. Uh, there were some veterans in the linebacking core that had moved positions to linebacker recently. Like, it was basically a bunch of young kids and Aaron Donald. And obviously, Aaron Donald makes you a very good uh, defensive coordinator in general because he's just going to be a game wrecker, you know, once every seven plays when you need him to be. He's going to come up with something huge. But I was really impressed with how he took such a young group had patience with them, 
molded them, shaped them, taught them in a way that was that was chronologically sound at the NFL level. They gave him leeway. You know, granted, the Rams this year were kind of in a competitive rebuild at the beginning of the season. That was the term that was used for them. And they ended up, because they grew at a really nice rate, both offensively and defensively, they, they ended up having a really good season and on both sides of the ball. And Raheem had a lot to do with that. So obviously, the leeway was there. The patience was there uh, inherently with how their season was expected to go. But he delivered. And so did Sean McVay. You know, so I, I think they both did an excellent job. And, and I think Raheem's earned this. I've, I've said for a couple of years, I hope he gets another opportunity because I really do find him to be a very good communicator. Obviously, he knows that organization a little bit. I think he was there when Dan Quinn got fired. That's who he took over for a few years back uh, before he ended up in uh, in Los Angeles. And, you know, his stint in Tampa Bay as that coach wasn't very good. But, you know, some guys, they're not ready or the situation isn't good or a combination of both when they get their first opportunity. And they have to earn their way back. And not everybody earns their way back. So I give Raheem a lot of credit for earning his way back to this point. Absolutely. Adam Amin with us. All right, Adam, we're, we're going to get up against the clock here in a minute. So I want to go ahead and run through these other coaching hires. And just a quick synopsis from you on whether or not you think these uh, coaching hires are going to work out. Let's, you mentioned Quinn. Let's start with Dan Quinn uh, in in Washington. Uh, he leaves the Cowboys to go play for the arch rival, the Washington Commanders, and uh, you know took a team to a Super Bowl, which already kind of um, – makes him stand out but this tiring just almost feels like washington couldn't get uh a coach and they settled on dan quinn uh how do you how do you see this hire if that's who you settle on that's pretty good i think I but yeah i i know they wanted ben johnson right. yeah, a lot of people want ben johnson and i'm you know i'm happy for him to for him staying in detroit but you know he's going to get a head coaching job at some point and i respect that he's waiting for the right opportunity and for him washington wasn't it i think for dan quinn you know, guy, you know, again, not everybody gets a second chance to be a head coach. So I think he had to take the job that was offered to him, but I don't think it's a bad hire for Washington. They need help on defense. They were the worst defense in the NFL this year. They hired, they fired Jack Del Rio in November and, and they're they, with all the talent they had on defense. And I know they made all those trades, uh, with Sweat and, and Young, but they have a lot of talent and they just played horribly. So they needed a defensive minded head coach. Uh, it's good to get one from the, from the division rival. I like the higher. I get that it wasn't the first choice, but it's not a bad final choice. The Titans go to Cincinnati and pluck Brian Callahan. Change the philosophy here from from a defensive minded coach to an offensive minded coach. Yeah, I'll be interesting interested to see how it works out because I don't know who that offense is going to have. You know, is, right. is, where's Derek Henry going to go? Who's your quarterback going to be? Is it going to be Levis? Is it going to be Willis? Is it going to be somebody else? Um, you know, are you going to be able to maintain some of the, the pieces that you have? I know the receiving core is still fairly young, uh, and so is some of the pieces on the offensive line, but that's a real work in progress, and he's not going into a great situation. The Raiders looked around but uh, decided to stay with Antonio Pierce. I think for an organization that prides itself so much on its history and on its past, uh, to try to drive into its future, I think it was a great hire. And I think the job he did with, with that roster, with having a young quarterback often, uh, Aiden O'Connell running the show and like uh, just all the changes at, at quarterback and, and, and the dealings they had from the start of the year where Josh Jacobs was frustrated and everything that was, everything bad that was happening in Vegas for him to stabilize the second half of the year. And I think he went five and four. That's, that's a hell of a job. And it's the right guy to hire. And of course in New England, everybody knew this was coming with Jared Mayo. Uh, 
you know, it seems like he's ready for the job. Uh, this is a situation where they're they're transitioning, but yet he's going to keep a lot of the Patriot principles in place. And at the same time, as he said, makes a lot of changes too, beginning with how he handles the media. Yeah, it's just going to be a, a, a different style and a, a similar philosophy, and that's okay. You know, and a, and a guy who understands whatever the Patriot way is, it, if you're not going to have Bill Belichick anymore, this is not a bad hire organizationally. And based on everything you, you hear from old teammates, you know, Tom Brady in particular, they're very high on Gerard Mayo. So I'm, I'm a fan of the hire. I think it's a good hire. I want to see how it's going to go just because it's a good hire based off of the context and circumstances doesn't mean it's going to be successful because that's still a roster that needs some overhaul. And are they going to draft a quarterback? And how is a first-year head coach who's been mainly – and only a defensive guy. You know, he's a linebacker, obviously, and has been a linebacker's coach for them. Um, how is that going to play out? Because you still got to make, you know, the, the head coaching hire is important. Raheem Morris has to hire a very good offensive coordinator in Atlanta. Gerard Mayo's got to hire a very good offensive coordinator in New England. If, if you're not, if you're not going to make a change, if you're, you're going to stick with McDaniel's fine, but like you got to, you, you got to make sure that the play calling is, is where it needs to be because some of the, the head coaching hires are good. The staff is really, really important, too, and I think that's going to be big in New England. And Seattle and Carolina both go young coordinators. Uh, I'm interested by the the Seattle hire to go from the youngest to the or oldest to the yeah. youngest head coach. <laughs> and, and, you know, that Baltimore defense is really good. I mean, they you know, they held Kansas City to 17. They did their job uh, in the championship game, and they did their job all season long. It's a great defense. He coached it well. I think it's a good hire there, too. Again, we'll see how it plays out because what is, what's the personnel going to look like? I think Carolina is Carolina, man. They got to say they're, they're reaching, you know, like nobody wanted that job. No top tier candidate really wanted that job. Ben Johnson is from Charlotte and it's from, we're from North Carolina. Didn't really want to go there for obvious reasons. That's not a good organization. Dave Canales may never get another opportunity again. He interviewed well. I'm a fan of his. I think he's a respected guy who stuck out a little bit like a sore thumb in Tampa Bay. I just didn't kind of fit in with the personality of everybody else. But maybe that personality is suited to be a head coach. We'll find out together in, in what I'm sure is going to be a topsy-turvy year for them, too. Yeah, and hopefully Bryce Young will be able to uh, um, develop under Canals very well. All right, we're just about out of time. Real quickly, I just want to ask you, you know it's the NBA as well as anybody, how in the world did the Lakers go into Boston last night without LeBron, without AD and beat the Celtics? I mean, that just makes no sense. Boston Reeves made shots, man. Yeah, he did. <laughs> You got to make shots in this league, and on nights where you don't make shots, it's it's not uh, too far fetched to lose. Even when you're a team that's barely lost at home, you've you've been arguably the the most consistent team in the Eastern Conference. But nights like that in the NBA happen. I think it's more magnified on national TV. But nights like that do happen. You just give a lot of credit to the Lakers. I mean, that's a that's a group that should be better than it is. You know, they just I'm I I saw them last week. The Bulls played out there in Los Angeles, and I was just surprised at how you know just, just out of sorts they look at times and LeBron still looks great I'll say this AD and LeBron being out was so rare those guys have not missed a lot of games this year relative to past season so if they can stay healthy and the rest of this group which is often the case around AD and LeBron if the rest of the group plays well I think they can be fine we saw what they did as a seventh seed last year in the playoffs I I don't think they should be slept on 
at any point, especially with how well LeBron has played overall this year. Time flies, Adam. Great stuff. Maybe better living at First in Maine. Visit firstinmaincondos.com or call 205-657-7465. Mention you heard about us on the radio and receive one month free rent. Since 2011, Billy Sports Grill, located on Main Avenue in historic downtown Northport, has been serving their legendary signature chicken sandwich, award-winning wings, and handcrafted cocktails. Billy's is also the spot to watch all your favorite sporting events with big screen, high definition televisions, both dining rooms, at the bar, and outside on the beautiful patio. Come by and say hello to Kim and Lisa, the Billy's management dream team. Billy's good food, good friends, and good time. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. Lots of sunshine today with a very pleasant afternoon. The high 68. Tonight fair with the low at 42. Tomorrow morning sunshine, clouds increasing by afternoon. The high 67. Much colder Sunday, cloudy with periods of rain. The high at 50. I'm James Spann on the ABC 30 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 46 degrees in Tuscaloosa. You're listening to The Gary Harris Show. For Alabama sports, Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Man, uh, boy, that guy's good. All right, that's going to wrap up the first hour. It's been brought to you by Alabama Credit Union, The Cure, Friday I'm in Love. Our first hour getaway song is going to get us out of here. Hour number two is coming up. We'll lead it off with uh, gymnastics with Alabama head coach Ashley Priest Johnston. And then we'll also have the Auburn Report. Brett Pritchard, more of your phone calls as well. Gary Harris Show, the TGIF edition rolls on. If you haven't already, you've got to try Tuscaloosa's unique breakfast, brunch, and lunch concept. Brick and Spoon, downtown Tuscaloosa, Timerson Square. It's fresh food with a Cajun flair featuring a full bar with build-your-own Bloody Marys and mimosas. Open daily, 7 a.m. until 2 p.m. Available for after hours. We're available 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Visit PattersonComerLawFirm.com. No representations made that legal services provided by Patterson Comer is greater than any other legal services performed by any other lawyer. The Alabama Securities Commission protects you from financial fraud. Anyone asking you for investment money must be licensed. You're careful with your money. Fraudsters aren't. Before you invest, call our hotline at 1-800-222-1253 to verify the licensing of the person making an offer and the product. Don't lose your hard-earned money. Learn to protect yourself at asc.alabama.gov. Paid for by the Investor Protection Trust and brought to you by the Alabama Broadcasters Association and this station. TBC Tuscaloosa and W265CG Tuscaloosa, a town square media station. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. From the Fox Sports Studios in Los Angeles. Here's Ryan Fenley. Coaching additions and finalizing of staffs for NFL teams starting to happen here. A lot of action in that world. And according to multiple outlets, Liam Cohen is in the negotiation phase with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers to be their next offensive coordinator. Multiple outlets also saying that the Titans have their defensive coordinator and their new 
offensive coordinator. On the OC side, it's going to be Nick Hulse. Hulse was the Jaguars pass game coordinator. And on the DC end, it's Denard Wilson. He comes over from the Baltimore Ravens, where he was their secondary coach. Theo Epstein ups with the Boston Red Sox ownership group, where he will be a senior advisor. Last night in the NBA, Lakers with no LeBron James, no Anthony Davis. They go into Boston and one up the Celtics 114 to 105. Tuscaloosa's Old Colony Golf Course is an 18-hole championship layout designed by 1976 U.S. Open champion Jerry Pate. Director of Golf John Gray and fitting specialist Bob Montgomery are PGA certified. Mike Shivitz is the head professional and director of the Tuscaloosa Junior Golf Program. Call today to secure a tee time at the Tuscaloosa Championship Golf Course. Everyone can play. 205-562-3201. Old Colony is operated by Paramount. Now, this hour is West Alabama real-time news update from the Tuscaloosa Thread Newsroom. A Tuscaloosa bar is permanently closing after 20 years as an anchor of downtown's Timerson Square District, owners announced Wednesday. Alabama's Ross Recovery Specialists are celebrating the grand opening of a new community center for people with substance use disorders on 18th Street in Tuscaloosa. And the Alabama Crimson Tide remains on top of the SEC after the men's basketball team came back to beat Georgia in a second-half surge last night. For the rest of these stories and much more, get connected at TuscaloosaThread.com. Get 24-7 local news coverage and sports updates when you download the free Tuscaloosa Thread app and sign up for twice-daily email newsletters. The Gary Harris Show. You see him host Tider Insider TV, Crimson Tide Kickoff, play-by-play for Alabama sports, and sports director for WVUA 23. It's time for the Gary Harris Show on your home for Alabama sports. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Here we go, hour number two of the Gary Harris Show, the TGIF edition for Friday, February 2, 2024. Gary Harris, Justin Johnson with you for another hour. And uh, we're going to get it started here in just a moment with Alabama Gymnastics Coach Ashley Johnson. This hour of the Gary Harris Show being brought to you by Patterson Comer, attorneys at law, Paul Patterson and Mike Comer, feet on the ground in West Alabama. I think that's important when you need a personal injury attorney. Paul Patterson's in Tuscaloosa at 205-345-1000. Mike Comer's in Northport at 205-759-3939. And remember, the commitment to serve our clients does not stop at the end of the workday. We're available 24 hours a day, seven days a week. PattersonComerLawFirm.com. No representation is made that the quality of legal services to be performed is greater than the quality of services performed by other lawyers. And Coach Ashley Johnston in for her weekly visit here on Alabama Gymnastics. And after a great meet at Florida last week, Alabama looks to keep it rolling tonight at home against Kentucky, 730 Central Time on the SEC Network inside Coleman Coliseum, the Be the Change meet. Good morning, Coach. How are you? Good morning. I'm doing great, thanks. How are you? Doing well. I know you're doing well because this team, boy, they just continue to uh, perform at a high level. Before we look ahead to tonight, let's look back at last week. Uh, you go into Florida and you score a 197.575 highlighted by the rare perfect 10 on the vault from Lily Hudson. What a meet for Alabama last Friday night on the road. Thank you so much. Yeah, you know, we've gained just a lot of valuable experiences over these last couple of weeks. And, of course, last week getting to compete at Florida, really being in some tough moments and seeing our team rally and create and build momentum and um, be able to execute at a really high level to come out with progress in our score and also a win 
um, all of those things are huge confidence builders for us as we move forward. Yeah, and you move forward to tonight and uh, back at home where uh, it's always uh, a great atmosphere. The Be the Change meet against Kentucky 730 tonight on the SEC Network. That's right. We're really looking forward to our Be the Change meet tonight. Um, you know, this really started back during my time as a gymnast under Sarah and David Patterson, and they always spoke about just being a champion in the community. And so I really felt that it was really important to prioritize being a champion in the community for our team now. And I'm so proud of our ladies and how they've invested their time in giving back to the community. Um, every week, actually, they serve an hour of their time um, investing in different businesses, schools, and um, just again, helping to be difference makers in our community. So I'm excited about what they're doing. I'm proud of them for how they're using their platform to um, think about things beyond gymnastics because that's ultimately what's going to help prepare them to step into the real world mm -hmm. um, after their four years is over here. Let me ask you about the opponent, uh, Kentucky. Um, you know, Tell us about the Wildcats and, the, and their squad. Coach? We lost coach. I don't know what happened, but Justin will get it right back up. <laughs> phone, the phone gremlins, I like to call them. They do, uh, they do rear their ugly head from time to time, but we'll get coach right back on here and pick up our conversation on Alabama gymnastics again tonight, 730 inside Coleman Coliseum. Uh, get out and support this team. They are fantastic, unbeaten on the season, did have the one tie against Arkansas, but everything else on the schedule so far has been a W. And, uh, boy, that was just, well, that one just died immediately. So I don't know. But anyway, Justin trying to get coach back on. Um, cause we need to finish out this interview. I think he's got her back here. He's, he's, He's trying to figure it out there, but we'll get her back on and continue our conversation on Alabama gymnastics with the head coach of the Crimson Tide. I hope, I hope that's what we can do. Uh, in the meantime, um, I'll run through this. All right, we got her back. We got her back. Coach, uh, the phone gremlins got us there, I guess. Sorry about that. Yeah, I'm not sure what happened. <laughs> well, I don't know either, but I was going to ask you about the opponent tonight, Kentucky, and get you to give us, uh, um, you know, the scouting report on the, on the, uh, Wildcats and their, their squad. Of course, Kentucky is a really talented team. They're very capable. Um, they've been on the rise for the past few years and um, have been at the national championship. And so we're expecting them to really bring their A game and be a tough team tonight. Um, but that's great for us. It's great preparation, be able to see the best of the best. They're ranked number three right now. So, um, again, we, we know what we're up against, and we also know that we've got to keep the focus on our preparation and what we can control. You know, we've talked a lot this year about the depth of your squad and you've worked new gymnasts in and out of the lineup. Um, for tonight, what is your strategy in this meet at home against Kentucky as far as your lineup? You know, every week we, we put the best six up on each event. Um, and in order to do that, we've got to kind of look at the bigger picture of what makes sense from week to week and helping to manage um, each athlete in the best way that we can. And so we're thankful that we've got a really good squad ready to go tonight. Um, a lot of competition for those lineup spots. And so we're looking to see them come in to even starting in warm-up and really dialing in and being brave about bringing the changes that they've worked on in the gym, bringing that into competition. Um, and it's, it's tough to do that. When you're the only one out there, sometimes you feel like you're an, on an island when you're up on that event. Um, and it's important to use your mental preparation to be able to be confident and step in and go big 
in some pretty big moments. So um, they're prepared, they're ready, and we're really excited for tonight. Of course, the record would say that, you, you know, you're obviously pleased with where you're at, but in terms of as a way a coach views it, or is, you know, it's a marathon, not a sprint. Is this team coming along at the pace that you expected and wanted it to where are you at in terms of where you'd hope to be at this point in the season have your has the production matched your expectations or is that even a fair question that may not be a good question to ask but are you where you want to be at this point we're progressing really well i'm proud of the growth this team has made um coming into this year i knew this was a really talented team and that they were capable of beating anybody in the country once they kind of hit their stride. And so I think physically we knew that this was a talented team, but where I've seen the most growth and the most initiative is how they've invested in their culture. And um, I really believe that's the difference maker. When, you, when you've got a team that wholeheartedly believes in each other and has each other's back and is willing to do above and beyond even what they're asked to do, um, that's the type of, of team I'm so excited about, and that's what we've got here. And um, so it's neat to see week by week each individual athlete making their own breakthroughs in their preparation and in their journey. And so um, we're progressing well. We've still got more to do. We've still got more things that we need to overcome and challenges we need to step into. Um, but I think we're at a really good point for this point in the season. And for tonight, it's another opportunity for Alabama to prove it's got the best fans in the country, not only for, for your squad, but I know also the, the opponent always looks so forward to coming to Coleman Coliseum and experiencing the, the special home atmosphere. So another opportunity tonight for the fans to pack it out. You're right. It's, it's so much fun to go out there and compete in Coleman and, I always say, you know, when our fans come into the building, I, even if they don't fully understand the scores or how it all works, you know, I want them to be able to leave at the end of the night knowing that they had a blast, they want to come back, um, and that they were inspired. Our ladies, they work so hard. Um, they're amazing students, amazing gymnasts, amazing community difference makers, and so um, I'm just so thankful for how our community supports them. And uh, we're just looking forward to a really fun performance, really fun environment tonight. All right, Coach, final question for you. Just about every time, you know, talk to Coach at Alabama. We It's hard to it, – we don't do it often, but I'm going to ask you, and I know he's been busy, have you had a chance to meet uh, Kaylin DeBoer yet? You know, um, I've gotten to meet his wife. Okay. And, um, and she is just amazing. Um, was able to attend the press conference, and we're just really looking forward to having the DeBoers here. Um, he seems – just like the perfect fit and i can't wait to support him to be a part of this new era of alabama football and um, i know all the coaches really band together and support each other and i'm really looking forward to having them here thank you coach good luck tonight against the wildcats thank you so much roll tide all right ashley johnson alabama gymnastics coach breaking it down alabama kentucky tight be the change meet 7 30 on the sec network uh in Tuscaloosa and uh, really everywhere that the SEC network is available. But the best way to experience and enjoy the meet is uh, to get out there tonight and watch the team. All right, it's 12 minutes after the hour of 10 o'clock, hour number two of the Gary Harris Show. Back to phone calls in the next segment. If you want to give us a ring, we're open for them. Uh, first time we've been uh, guest free in a while now on the show. 205-342-9904. That's the Krispy Kreme Donuts hotline. 205-342-9904. And as I promised early at the top of the show, uh, we're going to get into this uh, big junior day coming up for Kalen DeBoer and Alabama football. 
football. Uh, Kalen DeBoer has been everywhere these first couple of weeks on the job, but he'll settle into Tuscaloosa this weekend. And the Crimson Tide will welcome some of the top uh, high school prospects in the country to campus this weekend. We'll break that down for you next right here on the TGIF edition of the Gary Harris Show. As much as industry has evolved, it will always be that place to escape and have a good time. Whether it's for a game day weekend, to reminisce on college days, or to create new memories, if you're looking for a good time, there's only one thing to do. Head to the free at 1925 University Boulevard. And don't forget about the Lucky Lunch Meet and 3 special Monday through Boulevard West. Krispy Kreme is open seven days a week. To see our complete donut, coffee, and espresso menu, visit our website at KrispyKremeTuscaloosa.com. Krispy Kreme, hot now and anytime. Life doesn't wait for when your finances are in perfect order. It just happens, but no no matter what surprises come your way, Alabama Credit Union will be here to help make it affordable with great personal loans, mortgages, and auto loans. They offer an easy application process and fast decisions so you can stay focused on feeling good about whatever life brings your way. Alabama Credit Union will be here to help make it affordable with great personal loans, mortgages, and auto loans. Alabama Credit Union, loans for real life. Visit alabamacu.com to learn more. Some rules and restrictions apply. See if you're eligible for membership. Then join today and feel good about your money. 365, 24-7. You'll find road and utility crews, tow truck, law enforcement, and first responders working along Alabama's roadway. We're making improvements and helping our communities stay connected. We're working hard to make sure you're safe on the road. Now we need your help to make sure we're safe too. Alabama's move over law requires you to move over a lane when you see flashing lights on the roadside. And if you can't safely move over, please slow down. Visit drivesafealabama.org. Brought to you by the Alabama Department of Transportation, Alabama Broadcasters Association, and this station. Tide 100.9 Tuscaloosa weather. Lots of sunshine today with a very pleasant afternoon. The high 68 tonight fair with a low at 42. Tomorrow morning sunshine, clouds increasing by afternoon. The high 67. Much colder Sunday, cloudy with periods of rain. The high at 50. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 53 degrees in Tuscaloosa. Want to jump into any of the shows? Call Tide 100.9 right now at 205-342-9904. Well, somebody answer that damn phone. That's 205-342-9904. Alabama hosting a big junior weekend uh, this weekend with some of the top prospects from around the country for 2025 coming in. And I'm going to run down a little bit of that for you now in terms of expected visitors. Um, so Alabama will be laying out the red carpet. Of course, um, you know, still wrapping up 2024 with Ryan Williams and Noah Carter expected to sign next week. But 2025 and beyond now is is really the recruiting focus. And uh, Rodney Orr from TiderInsider.com, Tider Insider TV has compiled a list of visitors that are expected to be here. In-state prospects expected to be on campus this weekend include Crimson Tide four-star linebacker commit Miles Johnson of T.R. Miller and Bruton. Four-star wide receiver athlete Derek Smith of Southside High School in Selma. Wide receiver Dalen Upshaw, Phoenix City Central. 
Another Phoenix City Central standout slated to visit is three-star offensive tackle Mal Waldrop. 6'5", 290 pounds. Waldrop, a really good-looking athlete as a tackle. Has offers from Alabama, Auburn, Clemson, Florida State, Florida, Georgia, Miami, Penn State, Tennessee, and others. Out-of-state visitors expected this weekend on campus, including a name that a lot of older Alabama fans like myself will remember very, very well. Four-star linebacker Anthony Sacka of St. Joseph's Prep in Philadelphia is coming in. Now, Tony Sacka was a highly touted freshman quarterback for Penn State in 1988 when Alabama and Penn State played over in Birmingham at Legion Field, and Derek Thomas had a monster day for Alabama in a defensive game. Alabama shut down Tony Sockin, Penn State, 8-5 to five behind Derek Thomas. But now his son is a 6'3", 225-pound linebacker prospect and has offers from Georgia, Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State, Texas A&M, and USC and will be here, expected to be here for a visit to Alabama this weekend. Some other out-of-state visitors include one who's kind of an in-state visitor, Anthony Rogers. From IMG Academy, down in Brayton, Florida, 5'8", 180-pound Dynamo running back. has been committed to Alabama for a while. He's originally from Alabama. Four-star safety Jordan Young of Monroe, North Carolina, is slated to be here as well. And others expected to be in Tuscaloosa for the junior day include five-star quarterback Dijon Lee of Mission Vallejo, California. Four-star linebacker Jaden Perlett of Buford, Georgia, committed to Georgia. Four-star wide receiver C.J. Wiley of Alpharetta, Georgia. Four-star receiver Marcus Harris of Santa Ana, Modern Day High School. Four-star receiver Travis Smith from Atlanta, Westlake High School. Four-star tight end Chase Lofton of Omaha, Nebraska. And three-star linebacker Abdul Sanders of Santa Ana, also modern-day high school, the famed high school program that Alabama has had a lot of success recruiting since Nick Saban arrived. And now Kalen DeBoer, with his West Coast ties from both Fresno State and the University of Washington, looks like he's going to continue that tradition of recruiting out there in California. So a big, big weekend. And, Justin, I have to you know, tell you that Recruiting, is, it's been said for a long, long time, but it's true. You know, it's its its like, like shaving. You know, maybe you can miss one day, but you miss more than one, you're going to get sloppy. You know what I mean? You, you have to stay on top of it. And even now, with all of the stuff with the portal and NIL, which is making college football coaching much more difficult than it was even a couple of years ago, Still, the lifeblood of your program has to be recruiting. You can't completely depend on the portal to build your roster. And even if you sign, let's say you sign 24 guys, and two years later you've only got half of that, 12 of those. But hopefully those 12 guys are going to be really good players. So this is still very, very important. And for a new staff building these relationships, this is a big weekend for Alabama football.
No, it definitely is. And I'm not sure if you saw, Gary, but uh, Kevin Steele was on with Feinbaum, I guess, yesterday or the other day. And he had a comment, and I'll paraphrase it here. But he said that he's talking to a recruit's mother in their house. The mom tells him, you have everything. You, you're going to develop our son. You're go- you Facilities, coaches, everything. The mom says, you don't have the NIL. You don't have the money. It's incredible the change in the state of college football and that these coaches. But like you just said, the junior days like this that are coming up are just as important because they're not even going to consider your NIL if you don't have everything else in line as well. That's right. And, you know, that's the the statement that you just made that Kevin still had is what I've been saying uh, almost verbatim. I have said since NIL came in that that's going to be the difference. You know, a program like Alabama with Nick Saban, you know, you're going to have a prospect and their parents come in and say, listen, you've got it all. You develop players for the NFL. You develop players for a career on and off the field. Academically, everything's in place. Um, support structure, everything is great. This would be an incredible college football experience, except we've got this mega money offer at another school. All things being equal, we would sign with you in a heartbeat. But all things aren't equal anymore. Justin, and that's where we're at. And that's the struggle that we're trying to figure out a solution for. In that, listen, everyone wants an opportunity to win. That's why you compete. That's why whether you're at the FBS level or all the way down to NCAA Division Three, or, you know, where there are no scholarships or NAIA, You're competing to try to win. But in the interest of trying to win, yes, these bigger programs, everything from facilities to everything they do is designed to give them an edge, designed to give them an advantage to stick out. And that's what Nick Saban was so good at. But that edge was lost some with NIL. NIL changes the structure of all of the program stabilizers that you put in place from facilities to academic structure to nutrition to the weight room all of those things you do that to try to have an advantage but it's all in the same vein everybody is allowed to have certain numbers of coaches and certain numbers of support structure there are rules in place there's still rules in place NIL the way it's been implemented, there are really no rules. It is the wild, wild west. And I know there right now that the NCAA is investigating the University of Tennessee for NIL. But that doesn't mean much is going to change. The NIL, unfortunately, is not doing what it was designed to do. And again, you could have a great program like Alabama that's got everything in place. And you could have an up-and-coming program who doesn't have near the structure, near the facilities, but they're saying, hey, we're going to pay you a million dollars to come play for us. And they might get that guy. And then through the portal, like I've said before, you'll get a second opportunity to recruit a guy a lot of times. You missed a guy out of high school? Well, you might get a chance to sign him when he goes into the portal. All right, let's jump out on the uh, Krispy Kreme Donuts hotline and welcome in Ellis. Good morning, Ellis. Good morning, Gary Hayes. How are you? Oh, I'm doing just wonderful. Good. Um, getting ready for some, uh, I don't know about you, but uh, about February 15th, we're supposed to get snow and ice up here. So 
the groundhog don't know what he's talking about. They're already projecting it that far ahead. That's almost two weeks from now. Oh, yeah. Well, I got a buddy of mine that follows weather maps. Okay. Like, I mean, he's like a big weather buff, and he said, mark it down. About okay. the 15th, we will have snow or ice. Okay. So, in, in Tennessee, I don't know about in Alabama, but I know in Tennessee we would. Well, what else is going uh, on other than the weather? Uh, I'm I'm ready to come down uh, tomorrow morning and come down and get ready to watch that football, uh, basketball game tomorrow night. Oh, so you coming in for the game? Yes, sir. Well, you can make a day out of it with this, with it being a what is it a seven or seven thirty tip tomorrow? What is it, uh, Ellis? Seven thirty. Yeah, seven thirty tip. So I'll be there too. So. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah, I'll be. I'll uh, be. Yeah. I was I was there. Uh, the game last week against LSU, and I'll be back in my media seat tomorrow night watching the Mississippi State game. I think it's going to be a good game. Yeah, I, I do too. I think Mississippi State's a really strong, um, powerful team. Even though Alabama's beaten them once, you know you got to turn around and try to do it again tomorrow night. And it's going to be a, it's going to be a good basketball game, I think. Well, like everybody's been saying, and you've been saying the same thing that Mississippi State is starting to play better. So you know. Uh, it could be a could be a, a good tough game for them. Yeah, I think it will be. But I, in the end, though, I like the tide to get it done. You know what I mean? Like roll oh tide. yeah, I do too. Like like uh, uh, like, yeah. like the this guy roll tide Willie who's caught a lot of momentum. I mean, it's all about the tide, right, Ellis? I think it's all about the tide. He's been in this. He's been, in, he's been in town. He's been in town this week, and and I guess that. Uh, our TV station uh, caught up with him, or, or our, one of our web writers caught up with him yesterday, and that, I guess that guy's nephew, whoever it is that carries him around, is now saying that he's his agent. He's Rotai Willie's agent. So Rotai Willie's got him an agent now, man. That's big time. Cool. <laughs> How about that? Yeah, that is big time. But, uh, yeah, I just thought I'd call in uh and tell you, I was headed down there to uh, support my basketball. Man, you're, listen, man, you're a good fan, Ellis. You're one. You're you're one of the best. You uh, you support all the sports, and you support them, support them win or lose. And you're a credit to the Alabama fan base. I'll tell you that. And I got Tommy Tommy from Romulus. He's got me uh, going to go to some of the softball games this year. I'm oh, heck yeah, man! Shoot, that's softball is a blast. So, well, have a good time this weekend. Be careful traveling down, okay, Ellis. Yes, sir. Roll tight. All right. Thank you, my friend. All right. Uh, we are rolling along. Hey, listen, I want to remind you that T-Town Menswear, T-Town Gallery in the University Mall has, uh, of course, has all that incredible menswear to make you look your best, but all the Alabama football memorabilia that you could ever want. And Jalen Milrow has signed a lot of the uh, the prints uh, for the Gravedigger. And um, I know Isaiah Bond's no longer part of the team, but you know what? That happens. It's still an incredibly m- memorable moment in Alabama football history. And uh, Tom has got those Greg Gamble prints, some signed, some aren't, ready for framing right now at uh, T-Town Menswear and T-Town Gallery in the University Mall. Fourth and go from the 31-yard line. The game seemed over. 
and Alabama wins at Auburn at Jordan-Hare Stadium. Bring you 100% satisfaction and appointments set around your schedule. Give us a call for all your steam cleaning needs, 205-553-9460, Houston Hydro Steam. Quality work you can stand on. Los Tarascos has been serving Mexican favorites like burritos, fajitas, and quesadillas since 1999. Their new location is at 4100 Owen Parkway in Northport. And, of course, you can find Los Tarascos in Tuscaloosa at 110 Skyland Boulevard. The bar areas feature big-screen television so you can enjoy your favorite sporting events. Los Tarascos features daily happy living at First and Main. Visit firstandmaincondos.com or call 205-657-7465. Mention you heard about us on the radio and receive one-month free rent. Covering University of Alabama sports, as well as the national and local scene as well. The Gary Harris Show, only on Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Back into the show. You're here at Justin Jones, and you hear the uh, the Tiger. You can figure out what's next. The Auburn Report with Brett Pritchard from the Auburn Blitz uh, joining us to catch us uh, up on what's going on down on the uh, lovely at the loveliest village. Uh, good morning, Brett. What's up, Gary? How are you, buddy? Doing well. Before we get into to sports talk, uh, just know that you know um, in this state with how we love football and the rivalry is is you know we put it up there. I think ahead of any other rivalry in the country. But there are, you know, there are players on both sides, uh, both Alabama and Auburn, that you know are generational talents and uh, are respected not only by their fan bases but by the rival fan bases. And certainly Terry Beasley is uh, one of those people. And, uh, I know we were all saddened this week with his passing and, and certainly, um, you know, this is the, this is the other side of football. I mean, uh, Terry, it's documented in his lawsuit against the NFL and even going back to Auburn, um, uh, the hits that he took, the concussions that he had, the health problems that he battled. And, um, you know, I just think we're all saddened by not only his passing, but by the struggles he had in life and, and, you know, uh, this is Terry Beasley, not me, saying, you know, he directly attributes that to having played football as long as he did. You're right, um, Gary. First of all, you know, uh, thoughts and prayers continue to be with uh, his family. And he is so well remembered and uh, <clears throat> is an icon in this state. You know, I had a lot of my Alabama friends uh, text me and, and make comments on our social media, said, look, I'm an Alabama fan, but I was in awe of watching Pat Sullivan and Terry Beasley play. And, uh, you know, Pat Sullivan uh, passed away in 2019 mm-hmm. with his battle of uh, uh, with cancer. But, you know, I'll, I will say this, and we talked about it yesterday on our show, you know, it takes two to tango, and without Terry Beasley, Pat Sullivan probably doesn't win the Heisman Trophy. And, and I know Pat, if he were here, would, would say, and like he always said, that, you know, he was a main reason that he was, you know, had the opportunity to win that award. So, uh, just, um, you know, like I said, an icon, a legacy uh, that will never be forgotten. But <clears throat> looking at why we are talking about this today, just the long, extensive battle with, you know, uh, with pain mm-hmm. uh, and, and suffering that so many deal with after playing this sport. And, you know, you, you said it, Gary, we're all huge football fans. We love the game. I think we've made and I say we collectively as the football community, but uh, businesses and, you know, technology has allowed uh, the helmets and, and the pads and the things to to be uh, as 
top of the line as they possibly can right now. And, you know, football is probably as safe a sport as it's ever been before because of the things that we've learned over the past. And, uh, you know, the, the rules changes. I know a lot of fans get upset with, you know, some of these, these rules that have changed the way the football game has, is played, but it's all for safety. It's all for what happens to these guys when they hang it up, whether it be at the end of college or be after a pro career. And, you know, the life expectancy of, of football players is lower than the normal person. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you look at it from a standpoint of being in great shape. These guys are in immaculate shape and, you know, do everything they can to eat right and, and work out. But it's the, it's the amount of punishment that they take playing the sport. And you, we've seen all the different things on, um, sports science and all. When you get hit, you know, full speed from a guy that's 6'4 and weighs 250 pounds, uh, and they run the way they do, that's the equivalent to getting hit by a car going 15, 20 miles an hour. I mean, and that's over and over and over throughout a game. And then over years, that stuff takes its toll on the human body. So, but yeah, it's a sad situation. I think obviously the football community will continue to, uh, pour a lot of money and research into how to make this as safe as possible. And with Beasley passing, obviously, as you mentioned, Sullivan falling to cancer in, in 2019, it, it's another reminder of, of how far, you know, we are now removed from Coach Jordan and, and even Coach Brian, who coached several years past Coach Jordan, but still, um, the, the number of players that played for those two legendary coaches, uh, and now you can still find them. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying they're all gone, but we're, we're starting to lose those guys. And I guess too, for guys like you and I, Brett, it's a reminder of, you know, how, how much older we're getting, but that was, uh, <laughs> you know, college football again. And this is not to play the memory. Let's take it down memory lane. It, it, everything evolves, but for people who weren't alive, um, during the seventies and, and, uh, that was, you know, that was a special time for college football, not in just, just in this state, but in this country and uh kind of you know sometimes you kind of long for those days when it was you know every game wasn't on tv and you know you played 11 times on a saturday and and you either went to a bowl or you sat at home it just it was a different time but i a lot of a lot of times now i miss i miss that era i'm with you gary uh i think a lot of people do uh you look at it from a, a standpoint of we were talking about terry beasley's stats yesterday i don't have them in front of me but he still holds several records. And that's what's uh, remarkable, that he still holds a lot of records at Auburn uh, from, you know, with the way that people throw the football around now, that that speaks to his greatness. It really does. It, it does. And then to add into the fact that freshmen could not play on, right. on the on the team at, at that time. And, uh, you know, and I know that kind of has balanced itself out now because a lot of guys leave early. And so you don't see, you know, stats. But you're right, the whole error – you didn't throw the ball back then like you do now. And so to only do it and have three years and to still be at the top of a lot of categories, uh, says a lot about those two men and what they were able to do as far as etching their, their name into the history book. But, uh, he'll be missed. I know a lot of former players and so were Bo Jackson, uh, Charles Barkley. Uh, a lot of people have, uh, put, put information out about the passing of, um, Terry Beasley. He will be missed. You know, now coach die. Uh, is gone. Yeah. I mean, you, like you said, uh, Gary, icons in this state for Alabama and Auburn, both we, uh, we're losing them. It yeah. seems like, uh, on a, on a monthly basis. Yep. Starting, starting to lose some of those guys. All right. To Auburn football in the, in the current, uh, world, uh, 
Hugh Freeze reworking that staff and hires mm-hmm. DJ Durkin as the defensive coordinator. And I don't think there's anybody that follows football that doesn't think DJ Durkin is a good football coach. I think he's proven it. Uh, there is some, uh, I don't want to say controversy, but, you know, discussion in regards to what happened when he was the head coach at, at Maryland with a guy dying on the practice field. Right. But he's coached since then in this conference for a couple of different schools. And, you know, you're trying to put the best defense on the field that you can at Auburn. And DJ Durkin appears to be a guy that can help you do that. He, he is, uh, you know, like you said, he's got a, a storied history in this conference. He understands, uh, the landscape being at Florida and then, you know, uh, bouncing around Ole Miss, and then, A&M, up, yeah. Ole Miss, A&M, you know, fine, just being part of Jimbo's staff and then now being at Auburn, he, he understands. And I, I think that that's why you see a lot of guys kind of float from one school to the next in this conference. It's almost like a, a, a small, uh, NFL, uh, you see a lot of coaches, uh, just cycle through the NFL. Guy gets fired at one place, uh, or leaves one, one franchise to go to another. And they just, you see several coaches. They've been, they've coached at four or five different NFL teams, been head coaches. It's like, why do you keep hiring these guys? You know, they failed over here. They didn't do good here. Why? It's because it's the knowing the, the way that, that sport is played at that level and knowing what to expect and how to deal with the things in those particular conferences. I think that's why DJ Durkin's numbers, you know, speak for themselves. You look at the second year, uh, he was at Ole Miss. The defense was tremendous. Uh, you look at, um, you know, his numbers, uh, the records weren't good at Texas A&M, but really that was the, that was, those were offensive issues for A&M and his defenses really are what won games and kept Texas A&M in game. The last couple of years, um, you know, had, like you said, some, some runs at some other places. And then there was some, some controversy, right? Last three years at Maryland, it ended the way it did with the passing of that young man with, uh, the situation off the field. And, uh, you know, one of the deals is, is that, you know, that's, that's in somebody's past. I don't think there was anything, uh, malicious or intentional on his part. Maybe, uh, some decisions, uh, he would like to go back and, and change maybe contributed that, but, uh, he's moved on in his career and, uh, he is a good defensive coordinator. And I, I do think, uh, Chris Kiffin was the first choice. I'm not going to, we said that on the show the other day. I, I'm not going to sit here and spin this like I think DJ Durkin was the number one guy. I do think he was the number two guy for, for Hugh Freeze. I think, uh, you know, he tried to work things out with Chris Kiffin and, you know, frankly, I think Chris Kiffin likes the NFL and, you know, the NFL's for some people and it's not for some people. And, um, but he, it didn't work out there for whatever reason. And so he goes to DJ Durkin and, and he hires him. So now the staff is complete. You got two new coordinators, uh, on staff. You got a new director of, uh, or GM of, of football operations, uh, and Will Redmond from LSU. So pieces are in place now for Hugh Freeze to, to kind of shift their focus to spring football. Uh, which will start in in a few weeks, and uh, uh, it'll be interesting to see kind of how all that goes. You mentioned uh, Kiffin in the NFL, and and you know we we see Harbaugh leaving after a national championship to go back to the NFL. Jeff Halfley, the head coach at Boston College, leaving a head coaching job to become a defensive coordinator with the Packers. Uh, we know that. Um, the new offensive coordinator here at, at, at Alabama is already being looked at as a possible candidate with the Seattle Seahawks as the offensive coordinator there. So I ask you this, uh, I, 
do you think we're going to see more of this uh, if 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 we can't figure out some way to settle into some type of um, system with this NIL and the portal that's a little more workable, that you're going to have a lot of these top coaches just say, man, I don't need this in college football. Not when I can go to the NFL and, um, you know, just work with pros and, and not have to recruit, not have to deal with guys walking in the office, you know, asking for more money. Do you think this is a, a trend that will continue? Without a doubt. Um, and I, I don't think I've ever been as confident about saying something as I am that. I, I do think uh, just from the things that, that I hear and I know the things that you hear from, from the coach circles and, uh, I mean, just read the handwriting on the wall. I mean, this college football is unmanageable right now and it's getting worse. You know, the NCAA has <clears throat> reared its head to try to go after Tennessee and Florida State on some NIL. I, I just think it's all a joke. I really do. I think that it's so out of control. The fact that you would try to, try to go after a couple of schools and make examples out of them for NIL violations is is comical at this point. Now, that's a, another subject for another day. But going back to what you were saying, uh, I do think the coaches can go to the NFL. They can make a good salary. They can have time off. And they don't have to worry about catering uh, to the kids the way they're having to cater to them. And they're not going to have to re-recruit everybody all the time. It feels like 24-7. You go out on the on the road to, to bring new guys in. You you go get ten new guys and twelve leave while you're gone, and so it, it just becomes a, a situation where it's unmanageable. Uh, there's a lot of pressure in college football to be successful. Uh, there's not enough time to do everything that needs to be done. We, we that's why you see these new positions like these GM positions mm-hmm. in college football because they have to have them because the head coach can't do everything they're they're being asked to do. Uh, and, and be successful. So yes, until something happens, Gary, I think you're going to see more quality assistants and head coaches decide, Hey, I can go to the NFL and I can make the same amount of money and I can have more time off and I don't have to deal with all this other stuff. And I think it's the path of least resistance at this point. Yeah. I'm, I'm with you. I, I, I'm going to. Watch it, and we're going to see more and more guys. And and this is my personal belief. I, I you know say what you want. My, we all have opinions. I think if there was no NIL and there was no transfer portal, I think Nick Saban's still coaching at Alabama, Brett. I really do. I I hundred percent agree with that statement. I, I think we we saw this coming uh, after after the COVID year, um, <clears throat> and you look at the the way college football changed so fast over the last five years. And the things that were happening and uh, the lack of control. You know, Nick Saban is a control guy. And he's a he's a prime example of it's his way or the highway. But if you choose his way, you're going to go. You're going to have the best chance to, to succeed. And, you know, and he said that a lot of times. He said, you know, we're not for everybody up here. And that's fine. But those that want to buy in and do it the way I want to do it, we're going to we're going to try to get to the top. And um He's lost. He lost a lot of control. Gary, let's just be honest with with this NIL stuff. And uh, those guys, the older school coaches, that demand uh, that control from their players to be able to accomplish the things they need to do in their program. Um, and at his age, and to have accomplished all that he's accomplished, I think it just it just hit him all at once. And he said, "Look, um, you know, it's time for me to to hand the keys off to somebody else because." 
I'm not going to be able to do it the way I've always done it. And I don't want to sacrifice at this point in time in my life to try to change again. So I, I do think that was a major contributor in him deciding to leave. Let's get to Auburn basketball. Tigers, uh, back-to-back road losses at, at, at Alabama and then at Mississippi State, but got back on track at home against Vanderbilt. And now, uh, tomorrow evening, go into Ole Miss. Uh, that's a, that's a big game for the Tigers tomorrow night on the road. It's a huge game. I mean, Auburn's about to go down a stretch of seven quad one <clears throat> opportunities in, in a row. And, uh, it starts with Ole Miss. Uh, this team, 17 and four, the number 16 in the country. They had a rough week last week. They, you know, they dropped two games on the road. They were close, but, uh, but, but they, they had their first two SEC losses last week. They rebounded Wednesday night against a, a terrible Vanderbilt team. I mean, there's no other way to spin it. Um, you know, they did take care of business. They won that game convincingly. They kind of got off to a slow start in the first half, but they did take care of business. But now, and like Bruce Pearl said, uh, this week. He said, now it's, um, we're going to find out who we are. Uh, you go on the road to an Ole Miss team that's 18 and three. Uh, it's very good basketball team. Uh, they took it on the chin in Neville Arena a couple weeks ago. Auburn beat them by 30. Uh, they remember that. I promise you. And their crowd is going to be loud. It's going to be tough to go over there. Auburn's going to have to play outstanding to get out of there with a win. And then you win, you bring Alabama in, uh, next Wednesday, uh, coming off of, uh, a very close game up in Tuscaloosa, but, uh, you know, Auburn, uh, got down big early in that game and had to spend a lot of energy trying to fight back. Actually took a couple of leads late in that game, but weren't able to, to hold on. And it was because of lack of offense. And, uh, then you go on the road, uh, surging Florida team. Uh, this team just went on the road and knocked off Kentucky. So, uh, they're, they're playing good basketball. And then you come back home and play. Another 18 and three team in South Carolina who is a giant killer. They beat in Kentucky and Tennessee. So you got those next four games and then you welcome Kentucky in after that. Uh, and then you have Georgia and Tennessee. It's a rough stretch. Um, and, and it starts one game at a time. You can't worry about the Iron Bowl part two next week. You got to worry about, uh, Oxford, Mississippi this Saturday. So, um, Auburn still right there where they need to be with only two losses in conference. Um, it's a big opportunity to get their first quad one victory uh, on the road. Um, and they need it more than anything for their own confidence. Uh, mm-hmm. They need to, to get this offense going. The defense has <clears throat> been great all year. It's been great during this stretch where they've kind of hit a little bit of a roadblock. But uh, Denver Jones, good to see him shooting the ball better. Um, this past Wednesday, um, good to see the old Jalen Williams back. He had 21. Janai Broom's really been steady. Um, but the point guard, the, the guard play overall, Gary's been, been atrocious. And, you know, you and I talk about guard play all the time. If, if you don't have good guard play, you struggle, especially against good opponents. So Aiden Holloway is in a slump. Uh, I know he's frustrated, but Auburn's got to have him snap out of it. Trey Donaldson kind of seems to be. Out of loop, out, out of sorts a little bit here recently. They've got to have him start playing better, and Katie Johnson has got to find himself again too. So guard play's got to improve. Next week we'll get into some baseball and softball talk as well. Thank you, Brett, and uh, word about the Auburn Blitz. Yeah, I'll be on at noon today. I'll have Jason Caldwell on from inside the Auburn Tigers. Appreciate Thanks, it as always. Have a good weekend. You.
All right, 1049. We're winding it down here on the Gary Harris Show. we got one segment to go, though, on the TGIF edition, and that means that uh, we can squeeze in a couple phone calls if you want to give us a ring on the Krispy Kreme Donuts hotline at 205-342-9904. We'll be right back after this. If you haven't already, you've got to try Tuscaloosa's unique breakfast, brunch, and lunch concept. Brick and Spoon, downtown Tuscaloosa, Timerson Square. It's fresh food with a Cajun flair featuring a full bar with build-your-own Bloody Marys and mimosas. Open daily, 7 a.m. until 2 p.m. Available for after-hours events, rehearsal dinners, receptions, and birthdays. They offer brunch and lunch catering. Call Brick and Spoon at 205-345-5551 for more information. Tuscaloosa's Old Colony Golf Course is an 18-hole championship layout designed by 19 1976 U.S. Open champion Jerry Pate. Director of golf John Gray and fitting specialist Bob Montgomery are PGA certified. Mike Shivitz is the head professional and director of the Tuscaloosa Junior Golf Program. Call today to secure a tea time. Harlan Boulevard West, Krispy Kreme is open seven days a week. To see our complete donut, coffee, and espresso menu, visit our website at KrispyKremeTuscaloosa.com. Krispy Kreme, hot now and anytime. Since 2011, Billy Sports Grill, located on Main Avenue in historic downtown Northport, has been serving their legendary signature chicken sandwich, award-winning wings, and handcrafted cocktails. Billy's is also the spot to watch all your favorite sporting events with big screen, high-definition television, both dining rooms, at the bar, and outside on the beautiful patio. Come by and say hello to Kim and Lisa, the Billy's management dream team. Billy's good food, good friends, and good time. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. Lots of sunshine today with a very pleasant afternoon. The high 68. Tonight fair with the low at 42. Tomorrow morning sunshine, clouds increasing by afternoon. The high 67. Much colder Sunday, cloudy with periods of rain. The high at 50. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 55 degrees in Tuscaloosa. The best place for your high school football coverage is right here on Tide 100.9 and online on Tide100.9.com. That means it's the final segment when you hear Motley Crue, Home Sweet Home. So we are uh, going to be turning it over to T-Town Sports Daily, but not for a few more minutes. So we're uh, open in this segment. If you want to give us a phone call, you can get it in before we close it out. 205-342-9904 on the Krispy Kreme Donuts hotline. All right, big weekend ahead. We've already uh, broken it down for you as far as uh, Alabama men's basketball tomorrow night, 730 on the SEC Network against Mississippi State at Coleman Coliseum. The rest of the Saturday schedule for the SEC men, Arkansas is at LSU. That will be an 11 a.m. tip on ESPN2 down at the Maravich Assembly Center in Baton Rouge. At 12 o'clock noon, a big game. South Carolina lost at home to Georgia already this year. South Carolina's playing great right now. They try to get the payback in Athens tomorrow at noon on the SEC Network. As they take on the Gamecocks, Missouri is at Vanderbilt. And this is one of those games that I guess if you're a Missouri or a Vanderbilt fan, you might watch. I say you might watch because <laughs> these are the two worst teams in the league. Um, Missouri's at Vanderbilt, 230 Central on the SEC Network. Yeah, they're going to play that one. 
and somebody's going to win it, guaranteed. 3 o'clock tomorrow afternoon, Florida is at Texas A&M on ESPN2. And then at 5 o'clock Central, Brett was talking about it, Auburn at Ole Miss on the SEC Network. And that game will be followed at 7.30 by Alabama and Mississippi State at Coleman Coliseum. And then the marquee matchup in the SEC tomorrow on ESPN, right up against the Alabama-Mississippi State game, 7.30 on the ESPN, as I said, in Lexington, Rupp Arena, Kentucky, number 10, taking on number 5, Tennessee, in a huge game for both of these teams because particularly Kentucky uh, coming off a home loss against Florida, but then Tennessee's coming off a home loss too against South Carolina, and they're on the road. So, But Kentucky being at home I think makes it even more um, – even a much bigger game and pressure-packed game for the Wildcats to hold that home court advantage against Tennessee. But that is a jam-packed lineup of SEC basketball tomorrow. Seven games, all seven games televised. And uh, we'll be, of course, watching Alabama and Mississippi State here. And then on Monday, we'll we'll recap that game as the Crimson Tide tries to get another big win before heading down to Auburn next Wednesday night. All right, this hour of the Gary Harris Show has been brought to you by Patterson Comer Attorneys at Law. Patterson Comer, uh, feet on the ground in West Alabama. I think that's important. Paul Patterson and Mike Comer, they do it right. And uh, I vouch for them not only as top attorneys, but as great, great gentlemen as well. You can call Paul in Tuscaloosa at 205-345-1000. Mike's in Northport at 205-759-3939. PattersonComerLawFirm.com. No representation is made that the quality of legal services to be performed is greater than the quality of services performed by other lawyers. All right, that's going to do it for the show. T-Town Sports Daily coming up at 11 a.m. until noon, followed by the Miller's Edge from noon until 2. Then Ryan Fowler will take you home this afternoon with the game, 2 until 6. For Justin Jones, I'm Gary Harris. Have a great weekend, everybody, and I'll talk to you again on Monday. Thank you for listening to the